Hello friends, I want to welcome you to our latest podcast talk. This is Pastor Marco. Listen, uh, we love to have you come hang out with us live. If you've never been, if you live in the area, we have two services, Saturday 6 p.m. and Sunday 10 a.m. And if you have kids, we have incredible children's ministry for all ages. And don't forget to check out our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. We believe this message is going to encourage you, but also challenge you in your walk with God. Happy New Year. You know, the last couple of weeks, we've been kind of revisiting uh, the, what we believe is the theme that God gave us for this church as we're coming up on four years. We felt God calls this. Are we going to clap? We do it together, people. Come on. Four years of looking to establish a new normal. Because a lot of things that we call normal are abnormal in God's economy. God has a normal for us. And so in order for us to get that normal, we got to look into his word. We can't look into our feelings. We can't look into what society is doing because a lot of times society is completely against the will of God. You know, so we have to go to the word. We have to go to what is true that doesn't change. And so a new normal is what God called us to establish. And in order to have a new normal, we talked about how it has to start with God. We don't change people. We can even change ourselves. You know, you've been trying to change yourself and you can't. You know, you can put on new wardrobe, but you need a new heart. And so God says, I need to take you through a heart surgery to take that stubborn heart away from you to give you a new heart. I mean, I know you look cool, but you have a stubborn heart without the Holy Spirit. You have a heart that doesn't respond to the right things. You know, you have a heart that doesn't respond to serving. It doesn't respond to giving, right? You know you have a heart, a stubborn heart when offering comes by and you get tight. You're like, you know, you know your heart is stubborn. Don't, don't elbow anybody. Um, but God says, I need to give you a new heart. A heart that feels the way I feel. A heart that beats for the things that I care about. Right? A heart that when you drive by someone who is broken, it breaks you. You know, that's, that's the heart of God. You know? you know, the heart of God drives by a panhandler and he breaks your heart. Like you don't go, ah, he's out here again. There's no way. You don't have the heart of God. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you talk about. If that doesn't break your heart when you see someone broken and hurting and distressed, then you have a long ways to go. Like God's heart will break you for the things that breaks his heart. You know, and then he says, I give you a new mind, a mind that it will be able to understand what is good, pleasing to the Lord. You know, he says, I've got to renew your mind. You've got to wash over your mind. And then I've got to give you a new vision for life. He says, without vision, we perish. You know, we don't have a focus. He who aims at nothing hits it every time. God's like, I've got to give you a bullseye. Did you know that the word sin in Greek means missing the mark? Like when we're living outside of God's will, we're missing the mark of what he created us to be and do. And so he's like, I got to give you a new vision that you can be able to hit the bullseye that I have for you. Can you say amen? And then he says, I got a new mission for you. Your mission is not just to exist. Your mission is not just to pay bills and die. Your mission is to be my disciple, to be my living testimony on this earth. That's what I called you to be, right? And then he's like, I got a role for you. You, You're not just you. You're an ambassador. Like, I created you to represent me, right? And then he said last week, he said, I'll give you a new craving. I got to take away the old, you know, fleshly cravings of just physical pleasure and what you see and competing and comparing. He's like, I got to give you new cravings. I got to give you a craving for me, for my will, for my purpose, for my desires. And then today, I want to add to that. I believe God then says, now I have a new vocabulary for you. Come on, somebody. He says, now I, I have a new way for you to talk about things. 
for you to talk about life, right? I, I need you to align yourselves with the things I have for you. And a lot of times what God has for you is not what you're talking about, right? And so God has to realign our vocabulary to speak faith, to speak life, to speak things into existence like he does. He created us in his image and likeness. God spoke the universe into existence. And now I put that power in you to speak things into life. My goodness, that's so good. I'm preaching to myself. I feel the whole, I, this is when I wish I was in a black church with, a, with someone on the keys going, mm, you know. Because I feel the Holy Spirit deep inside of me. And I want to say things like God said. Somebody say yeah. I got preaching fantasies too, you know. A man can dream. You know, but I want to talk to you about this new vocabulary. I want to share this scripture that's been burning in my spirit for the last two weeks. See, when you pray, when you pray, you get a word. When you pray, you get revelation. When you fast, God answers. God brings clarity. God brings vision. God brings a newness to life. How many of you guys were waking up every day going, whoa, I'm, I'm like alert. Like I'm like ready to go. Like, it's awesome. The clarity that comes, all the stuff, the fog gets lifted. I don't know about you. I haven't had a Red Bull in two weeks. I feel amazing. Like it's incredible, you know. What the Holy Spirit will do, you know, in your life. And so this is the word that's been speaking to me. You know, we prayed over this uh, on Friday. But I, I want to break this down to us this morning in Psalm 81 verse 10. Psalm 81 verse 10 says, For it is I, the Lord your God, who rescued you from the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide. Someone say, Wide. And I will fill it with good things. Come on, that's a message right there. Open your mouth. Ah, wide, he says. And I will fill it with good things. I recently went to the dentist. And I'm always nervous when I go to the dentist. I hadn't been in a while. And, uh, and, and, uh, and so... When you are sitting on that chair, there's nothing more humbling than to be sitting on that chair with your mouth wide open and they're looking at all your imperfections. Ah, there's something in me that just wants to confess. You know what I mean? Like you just like, you know, you know, when you go to the dentist, you floss for the first time in six months. Come on, somebody. Let's be real. Right. I I sat down. I told the lady, I'm sorry. Ah. Oh, how bad is it? It's nervous. You know, and then I had this revelation. Like, is this how people feel when they come to church? They haven't been in a while. Uh, uh. Oh, hello. (laughs) But the Bible says, it is I, the Lord your God, who took you out of Egypt. Now, you have to understand the biblical narrative that, that God wants to redeem humanity. That's his heart. Like God is for humanity. Like the entire Bible can be summarized into God's desire to bring hope and redemption to the humanity. That's it. That's the whole thing. The reason why it's so long is because humanity is so stubborn. Like if God had his way, this thing would have been a pamphlet. It would have been Genesis and Revelations. 
Okay, if, if God had his way. But because we're so stubborn, God has to go through all these detours and try to bring us back to the main street. It's like New Bedford. If you miss one street, it's going to take you 10 minutes to get back. Because all the one ways. Right? That's what happens to humanity. You know, we take one wrong way. You don't understand. Like one wrong move, it's like many other ones. He's like, man, now I got to like find a way to get you back to cottage like you over here. You know, <laughs> Egypt, understand this, it, it's, it's your, his, the Bible story is your story. You have to see yourself in it. That's when you know you're reading it correctly. You have to see yourself there because God's like, I'm taking a group of people on this journey, right? But their story is a small glimpse of the story that I have for humanity, like their story is your story. God is trying to tell us, right? He, so he took these people, the Israelites, on this journey of redemption. And he's saying, listen, what I'm doing with them is a small picture of the bigger picture. Like I, my, my desire is what I did with them is to do with all humanity. With everyone. That's why he says, for God so loved the world. That like, whosoever, that's crazy, whosoever believes. He's like, if you can believe that, I can take you on this journey of redemption, of hope, of transformation, of healing, of restoration, of power. And listen, I'm going to... Blow your mind if you just understand that what I'm doing with them is what I want to do with you. Right? And, so, and so he takes this small group of people. By the way, he even said, why he picked them? He says, I picked you because you're the least. So like that, when I do all that stuff, you can say, man, that was God. God is an expert at doing that. That's why you don't have to have it all figured out. The more you think you have to have it all figured out, the more you will miss God. Right? God is an expert in taking a mess and turning it into a message. Like, that's what he does. Like, he'll take a mess and transform it so you can be like, I was a hot mess, but God. But God. You know, like, but God. Stepped in. Right? And so he takes this group of people and, and he's saying to you, like, look, that's your story. That's your story that I'm trying to take you through. That's the journey that I'm trying to take you through. And so, and so if you pick up the, the biblical narrative in Exodus, God says, I've heard the cry of my people. I got good news for you this morning. God hears your cry. Even the ones that no one else hears. Even the ones behind the scenes, behind closed doors, where you don't want no one to know. God hears your cry. I don't know what I'm talking to this morning, but you're in a good place today. God has heard your cry because I know sometimes we put on a nice face but we're crying and God sees it and God wants to speak to that part of you and he wants to turn your sorrow into joy see the Bible says you know sorrow may endure for the night but joy cometh in the morning this is morning time this is morning time God is here to restore the joy over your life and so he says I heard they cry they were slaves in Egypt for 400 years, slaves crying out to God. God says, I heard their cry, and I'm coming to rescue them. That's how salvation begins. It begins with a cry. You know, it begins with a cry. Some of the best prayers you will ever pray is, oh, God! Right? The worst prayers you will ever pray is, Veer thou heavenly Father. That was magnificent in heaven. God's like, are you ready yet? Come on. I mean, for real. Like, call the angels. Is he for real, though? Like, come on, just cry out to me. You know, there's no such thing as a perfect prayer. It's imperfect people crying out to a perfect God. Say, God, you, if you're there. If you're there. 
The best prayers in the Bible are short. I don't know what we think, like saying a lot of things is going to make God change his mind. You know, I don't know what that was. That was weird. That was really weird. I got kids, so I'm always doing things like that, you know. I got five of them. You got you know, you to keep five kids entertained. You, you lose your mind. Okay, that's how I talk every day at home. Do you notice, parents, stuff that you say because you're a parent? Like, you say things like, I got to go tinkle. I'm a grown man. Like, I'm serious. Like, I find myself, I, I, I'm going to go tinkle. Like, what? what? <laughs> Talking to another adult here. You know? Talking about new vocabulary. You become a parent, your vocabulary changes. Right? Parents, come on, help me out here. Don't make me feel like I'm crazy. You know? <laughs> oh, man. So they're in Egypt and they cry out to God. God says, I heard the cry of my people, and I'm going to rescue them. Egypt, please take notes. Egypt is a symbol of life without God. Egypt is a symbol of bondage. Egypt is missing the mark. Right? Egypt is hopelessness. Right? So you got to ask the question today, what is your Egypt? Because we all need to be rescued from some kind of Egypt. If you don't have an Egypt, then you're not saved. Simple as that. Salvation is being rescued from something that was holding you back. That was making you a slave. Right? That was, you know, when people say, I do whatever I want to do. It's like, yeah, but you're a slave. Even saying that sounds like a slave. Right? So Egypt is a symbol of life without living to the fullest of God's will. And so they cry out and say, God, rescue us from Egypt. That's where it all begins. That's where God finds us in Egypt. Every single one of us. If we were to tell our story. You know, I have a, I have a plan for a book called But God. But it's all stories. Awesome. You know, I would love for all of you to tell your story. Yeah. What is your Egypt? What has God brought you out of? Because your story can help another person's story move along. Like that's the point of why we do life together is that my story can impact your story. I think the two most powerful words to me put together is me too. There's nothing like hearing like me too. Right? Like I don't know about you, but sometimes when you hear someone going something crazy, you're like, thank God, I'm not the only one. I mean, I thought like I was, you know, we all think we're like this unique specimen that only goes through what we're going through. But it's refreshing to hear someone say, wait a minute, me too. Right? That's why we can't do life alone. We got to do life together so we can say, me too. Now let's pray about this thing together. Let's break this thing together. Let's believe together. Let's hope together. Let's see God. Do something better for us. So they cried out to God in Egypt. And God says, I, I heard the cry of my people. And God sent a man named Moses to bring the rescue mission. You see, the Bible is not meant to be read individually. The Bible is meant to be read as a whole. And so, again, God is saying, what I'm doing with these people is a small picture of the bigger picture. Because if you keep reading in Hebrew, it tells you Moses was just a smaller version of Jesus. 
See, Moses was, came to, to, to show us what redemption looks like, that Jesus comes on the scene to liberate us from Egypt, to liberate us from sin, that we don't have to stay in sin. We don't have to stay in Egypt. There's a better way. And so Moses symbolizes salvation, redemption. When they go through the Red Sea, that's a symbol of baptism. God, through them, is showing you this is how your journey is supposed to be. You embrace salvation. You go through the waters to the other side. There's a better tomorrow. Like, you bury the past. You notice when, the, when they passed through, the water came and collided. It was saying, like, your past is gone. The new has come. Giving you a new day. Right? The story of salvation is beautiful story. It's our story. You got to see yourself in them. Sends Moses, he sends Jesus to all of us, to whosoever. That's amazing to me. Whosoever would believe. That's the beauty of the gospel. If you're here today, if you're whosoever, if you can hear the words of God, he's speaking to you. And he's saying, that's my plans for you. Plans to prosper you, to give you hope, to give you future. Now, here's where it gets interesting. They get set free. Now, they are stuck between Egypt and the promised land. Now, you got to follow me now. They are free, but they're not in the promised land yet. They're in the wilderness. And I don't know if you're following, but life happens mostly time in the wilderness. It's the in-between. I've been set free, but I'm not in my promised land. I'm in the wilderness. What happens in the wilderness determines what happens when you go forward or you go backwards. Come on, somebody. It's not a good word. You got you to, gotta like, track with me here. We're stuck between Egypt and the promised land. All of us. So we're not home yet. We're passing through. Right? And so they are in the wilderness. And what happens in the wilderness? They begin to lose focus of where they were going. Are you tracking? In the wilderness, the same God who opened the Red Sea for them was providing for them. But they thought, man, it's not the way that we thought it was going to be. This is a mature word. Blessed are we if we don't get offended that things didn't go the way we thought it was supposed to go. Because it's not about me. It's about who created me, who has the plan, who has already has something established. If I get caught up on me, I will lose the focus of where he's trying to take me. Are you tracking today? In the wilderness is where it happens. See, I don't know if you understand this. It's not about the destination. It's about the journey. It's the journey. Right? Like everybody wants to go to heaven, but no one wants to die. Everybody wants a testimony, but no one wants to test. But there's no testimony without the test. The Bible says the wilderness was supposed to be a test. What you're going through right now is supposed to be a test. Now the key is, are you going to pass the test? Are you going to stay in Egypt? Are you going to go backwards? Are you going to go forward? Are you going to let God mold you, shape you, and make you into the man and the woman that he created you to be in the first place? He said, I was testing their faith to see if they would trust me. Amazing. Jesus goes in the wilderness to fast. And the three tests that he faces was the three tests the Israelites faced. And he was saying, this is how you're supposed to pass the test. You don't live by bread alone. You live by every word that comes out of my mouth. 
That's what he was saying. He was trying to teach us how to live life. It's in the wilderness that life happens. It's in the in-betweens that life happens. Everybody's waiting for something big to happen, but the biggest thing that's going to happen is today. It's today. How you handle today affects your tomorrow. And what you do today will echo in eternity. You're following. It's in the wilderness that life happens. And the Bible says they begin to lose sight. They begin to lose hope. They begin to lose focus. And what's crazy, they begin to say things like, we should go back. You were slaves. Isn't it crazy what comes out of our mouth when we're being tested? The test purifies and the test reveals what's in our hearts. Slaves talking about we were better off in Egypt. It's crazy, right? When you read that, you're like, what in the world? You saw the Red Sea split. You saw mana come down from heaven. You saw pillars of fire, clouds. You saw the tangible presence of God. And, you, and you're like, how can you go back? And I say all that until I stop and I consider my own life. Say, how much has God blessed me? How much God has come through for me? But one test makes me want to go back. It's crazy. What we say when we're under heat. He says it gets hot. Don't leave the kitchen. That's where the good things happen. It's in the heat of the wilderness. We're all in the in-between. Right? Problem is, some people are in between. All they're thinking about is either Egypt or, or, or the promised land. But you're not doing anything remotely, anything today to give you another step forward towards the promised land. <laughs> Wishful thinking is not faith, people. Faith has legs. Faith has actions. Faith without works is dead. Faith without works will make you go backwards to Egypt. Backsliding like with Michael Jackson. Get it? Moonwalk, backslide, Michael Jackson. Crazy when you hear people talk like that. The Bible says, in Galatians, it says, how foolish of us. We've come this far by grace. How can we go backwards by law? My God, that's a word. We've come so far to turn back now. We're not there yet. But we're surely on our way. And a lot of it has to do with what I'm filling my mouth with. He said, open your mouth wide and I will fill it with good things. Open your mouth wide, he says, because I want to bless your life. See, the problem is we may be out of Egypt, but Egypt may still be in us. Free, but not free. You know what they say, you can take the kid out of the ghetto, but you can't make a president stop tweeting. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. 
What's in you is going to come out of you in the moment of testing. It's all a test, he said. It's all a test. It's all a test of how you handle it. The test produces perseverance. And perseverance produces character. And character is the greatest prized possession that you will ever have. You may lose everything, but if you have your character, you haven't lost anything. Because God can rebuild houses. He can rebuild homes. He can give you money. But your character is who you are. You cannot lose who you are. Can't lose who you are. It's in the test. It's in the test. You got to resist the urge to go back to Egypt. Resist the urge to go back to slavery. It's in that test. You got to resist the urge to go back to your drugs. Resist the urge to make that phone call. Resist the urge to DM somebody. It's in the test that you get a testimony. Because God is like that coach. He'll say, run it one more time. Run it one more time. You know, it's supposed to take them 11 days to get to where they're supposed to go. 11 days turned into 40 years. Bible says because they were stubborn and they were complaining and they were murmuring. Problem with God is God loves gratitude. Gratitude unlocks the more in God's economy. God is like every parent. I don't know about you parents, but when my kids are grateful, I want to bless them with more. Like, when they're grateful, it makes me want to be like, oh, yeah, I'll make you another pancake. Bloop. <laughs> Even though I don't make pancakes, I really don't. Like, I'll pour another cereal. So my three-year-old says, Dad, can you make me cereal? It's like, I can make cereal. I'm an expert at making cereal. <laughs> Gratitude unlocks the more, church. It's in the test you have to start to count your blessings. Because when you begin to count your blessings, you lose focus of Egypt. And you begin to focus on the promised land. You begin to focus, man, he's the God that rescued me out of Egypt. And he's made a way when there seems to be no way. And if he's done it before, he's going to do it again. Because he's faithful. He can't deny himself. He's a faithful, mighty God. He's never failed me. He's not going to fail me now. What comes out of your mouth? says a lot about who we are. Gratitude is always a prerequisite for more. He said, open your mouth wide. Basically, what he was telling them, he's telling us, he said, stop talking like a slave. You're not a slave. See, they say the hardest thing for people who are incarcerated is to stay free. Statistics shows that 84% of people will go back to jail because they didn't know how to live free. Spiritually speaking, it's the same way. God will set us free, but we have a hard time leaving free. Because we're so used to Egypt. We're out of Egypt, but...
but Egypt is still in us. And so the work of the Holy Spirit is to take Egypt completely out of our minds, out of our hearts, out of our mouth, out of our will, out of our purpose. That's the will. That's what we call sanctification and holiness. God is saying, I got to purify all that stuff out of you. But if you don't let me turn up the heat, it's always going to have junk on you. I'm trying to purify you, cleanse you, take away the mindset that you used to have, the talks that you used to have, the friends you used to have, the places you used to go. I got to purify you, sanctify you, and got to kick Egypt out of you. Stay in the kitchen. Be purified out of Egypt. Just stop talking like a slave. Because when you talk like a slave, you start to think like a slave. When you think like a slave, sooner or later you will act like a slave. And the greatest lie that we buy into is, I'm just keeping it real. You can keep it real and be Egypt. Have you noticed? Anytime someone say they're keeping it real, it's never positive. What was the last time someone was like, I'm going to keep it real. And you're like, man, he's about to preach the word to me right now. Right? Someone says, I'm going to keep it real. You brace yourself. Because you know what's coming. No, no, no. That's Egypt still in us. Right? Because keeping it real without progress, it's backsliding to Egypt. So what comes out of our mouth has a lot to say about who we are. It starts, church, write this down. It starts with your confession. What are you confessing every day? What are you declaring every day? Because this is powerful. He said, open your mouth wide. I will fill it with good things. Write this down. What we confess becomes our provision. What we confess becomes our provision. So no wonder my provision sometimes is low because I profess low. No wonder when I say, I knew this was going to happen, and it does happen. I wonder when I say, it always going to be this way. Well, why are we surprised? Your confession is your provision. Every single time. He who aims at nothing, hits it every single time. Like you bet a thousand. That's the only time you bet a thousand. When you hit a nothing. Provision and confession goes hand in hand. Open your mouth wide. I will fill it with good things. Remember, God's promises always have an if, then a then. He said, if you, then I. If you open your mouth wide, then I will fill it with good things. If you keep it real. No, he didn't say that. Just keeping it 100. I don't want to keep it 100 if it's not God's will, if it's not God's purpose. I, I, that's Egypt talking. I'm not going to talk like Egypt. I want to see some fruits in my life. So in 2018, let's make a declaration that in 2018, there will be no more negative self-talk. Come on, let's declare that today. God doesn't make mistakes, therefore I'm not a mistake. God doesn't make failures, therefore I am not a failure. 
I may fail, but I'm not a failure. I'm not going to speak things over my life that doesn't uh, coincide with God's will. I'm not going to agree with the devil and the, and the enemy. I'm going to agree with God who said, I created you. I formed you in your mother's womb. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. I'm going to profess who God says I am. I am who I am by the grace of God. And I will do what God said that I will do. So no more negative self-talk. That's not keeping it real. That's keeping it fake. That's keeping it Egypt. Let's call it that. Next time someone says that, you're like, oh, here comes Egypt. And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, yeah, Egypt. Yo. In 2018, let's make a decision. No more negative self-talk over our kids. We prophesy good things over our children. Even when they misbehave, you say, that's not who God created you to be. He created you to be a man of God, a woman of God, a woman of righteousness. Yes, you're misbehaving, but that's not your portion. I'm going to speak life over you. You are who God says that you are. Don't agree with the devil. Agree with God over your children. Yeah, no one spoke it over you, but now it's your turn to set a new generation in, in the right path, in the right direction, in the right way. That you see them every day before they go to school. You look them in the eye, you say, you are loved. You are loved by me. You are loved by your father. You are a good kid. You're going to go do great things. You're going to be an awesome kid. Speak that over your children. In 2018, let's make a decision. We will not talk bad about our jobs. We don't sow, we don't sow this, the same branch you're sitting on. It's like, this is the place that makes me earn a paycheck to take care of my children. Therefore, I'm going to bless this place. I'm going to speak life over this place. I'm going to bless my boss. I'm going to bless my managers. I'm going to be the yes man. Because God is a yes God. You be Egypt. Oh, you think you I don't think anything. I just want to be in the will of God. I want to walk with God. I want to talk with God. I want to be a blessing and not a curse. In 2018, let's make a decision. We don't talk bad about the church. We love the church of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but when you love someone, you don't focus on their flaws. I would be skeptical of any man who walks around talking bad about his wife. Be like, man, do you love your wife? Because all you'd seem to focus on all the things she doesn't do right. Right? That's not love. When you're in love, you're so crazy that you can't even see the craziness that she has. That's the reality. Then on, one day it dawns on you like, oh. Oh. I mean, the way my love was set up, I mean... <laughs> Think about this. You always want to praise your wife. Even if you guys are not agreeing on something, never demean your wife in public. You always praise her. Right? The Bible says that the church is Jesus' wife. I don't want to be the guy who talked bad about Jesus' wife. I don't know about you. Something goes down, I'm, I'm with Jesus. I'm with Jesus. You go ahead, say whatever you want to say. Do what you want to say. 
Write your blogs, write your Facebook, send your comments. I'm with Jesus because when it's all said and done, I want to be on the right side. I'm not dumb enough to side in with you. I'm not dumb enough to make a provision with you. I'm not dumb enough to hold hands with the devil. I'm not, no, no, no. I'm with Jesus. His church has blessed me. He has blessed me a life. I'm with Jesus. I don't care what you say. I'm going to bless the church. I'm going to speak highly of Jesus' wife. He's been good to me for 20 years. I've been in the church. The church has done nothing but good to my life. I thank God for the church of Jesus Christ. Grateful for the church of Jesus. Man, because man, I don't know about you. If every time I got into an argument with my wife and I left, then we'd never had a marriage. If every time my kids drive me crazy and abandon them, I'll never be a parent. And every time I get offended at church and left, what does that say about me? What does that say about me? That's all it took? Like, what about the big picture? All it took was this one little thing to pursue you to go back to Egypt. What does that say about us? What does that say about us? It blows my mind when people have the time to post negative reviews. The effort, the dedication, the commitment. To write something negative. The stress that's over you. You ever read restaurant reviews? Blows my mind. Who, who are these people? Who went to have a meal but went home, sat down before a computer and typed a review. This is how I feel. I will never, ever, 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 ever. It's like, what is in you? That's amazing to me. Like, wow, what is in your heart? That you have that time of energy and effort and articulation to write a bad review because you had one bad experience. Every time you go somewhere, it's 50-50. It's 50-50. It might go well, it might not. But one bad experience should not reflect the integrity of a place. One bad experience in church should not reflect the integrity of the church. Should it? We got to be bigger people than that. That blows my mind. Because think about this. I was thinking about this this morning. This really broke me. The Holy Spirit said, did that person ever think about the business owner who labored, who took a loan, who cried, who believed that they can have a business, who's doing their best in that kitchen, sweating, trying to make ends meet for their family, and you're going to go and ruin their integrity because you had a bad experience. What kind of person does stuff like that? Church, this It's not a hobby. This is a life. This is a livelihood. We're giving our life to this thing. What kind of person wants to destroy the integrity of a church when you're giving your life? You're giving everything you got. There are days my kids are like, Dad, where are you going again? Building the church, kids. That's what Jesus calls us to do. This is my home, exactly. Exactly. Blows my mind. How can people be that shallow and that selfish 
Have you thought about that business owner who took a loan, who put his kids on hold to try to create something, to be a blessing, but here you are, you're so selfish that your review is way more important than someone's livelihood. Everything the church does is amazing. But one little thing gets in the way of the thousand blessings that we get to see every day. Our children right now are blessed. Our children are being taught the word of God. But one little thing is way more important. I'll tell you something in 2018. Let's think in terms of eternity. Will this matter in eternity? Will this matter? That's what puts me at ease sometimes when I get those emails. It's like, will this matter in eternity? Is what I'm doing worth doing? Then I'm going to keep doing it. Get behind me, Satan. I'm not going to Egypt. I'm going to keep going. In Jesus' name. Because it's well said and done. You think Jesus is going to ask you, tell me about that review. Tell me how your cake was raw. And the steak was not well done. Tell me about your first world problems. People that came back from Kenya will tell you how petty we are in America. They'll tell you. We've got to stop negative self-talk because it's negative self-prophecies. We only speak the things we want to see. People of God speak things as they ought to be, not as they are. That's faith. Faith says we can do better. Faith says go to New Bedford and start a new normal. You don't talk bad about your city. You bless your city. You help your city. That's what faith does. Listen, the Bible has so much to say about the words. Because words create worlds. Let me show you a few examples. So powerful. How are we supposed to use our words? When Paul was writing to this church in Ephesus, look what he said. He said this, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Leave that up for a second. Good and helpful. In 2018, if it's not good and helpful, don't post it. Don't post it. Don't post it. You're an ambassador for Jesus. On Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, wherever you are. Listen, you are an extension of who God created you to be. Don't try to be right. Focus on being righteous. Speak about things that are good and helpful. Before I post something, here's the question that goes through my head. Is this going to honor God? Is this going to honor my leadership? Because people say, I'm loyal to God. I'm not just loyal to God. I'm loyal to also leaders. Because God says, obey your leaders, submit to them. Okay, people are like, no, I do my thing, and then that, you don't know Jesus. Because Jesus would never separate himself from his church. Right? He created the structure of the church. Right? And, so, and so I think about that. What Pastor Steve going to think about this post? And then I think, what is my wife going to think about this post? Because she's my second Holy Spirit. I posted something the other day, and she was like, did you think about this angle? I was like, okay. That's accountability, people. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. It keeps you out of trouble. If you can have some some voices around you who are trying to lead you towards things that are good and helpful. If it's not good and helpful, then it's not for me. I don't want it. Before you write that email next time about church, ask yourself those questions. Have I been blessed here? 
Is my children being blessed here? Is my life better here? Then why in the world am I focusing on a little speck when I got a log in my eye? Bible goes on to say this. It says, listen, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other. Here's that word, tender-hearted. Forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. That's who we are, people. We are the people of God. In 2018, don't bash anyone that you don't like. If you're going to talk about anybody, do it on your knees. Do it on your knees. Say, God, that person got under my skin today. I'm here to surrender them to you because I refuse to give in to my flesh. I refuse to go back to Egypt. I refuse to be someone you didn't call me to be. I'm not going to bash anybody. I'm not going to be right. I want to be righteous, God. So please tender heart, my heart right now. Forgive me or my sin. Forgive them, Lord. I want to kill them right now, but I'm going to kill my flesh instead in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. Bible goes on to say in Ephesians 5, 4, look at this. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes. These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. Like, some things are not for us. If you've been set free from Egypt, you don't talk like Egyptians. It blows my mind. Church people cussing on Facebook. It's like, that's not who we are. That's not who God created us. We're ambassadors. Posting filthy images. That's not who we are. We're better than that. We've been set free. We're different. We don't just talk different. We post different. Out of the abundance of the heart, we tweet. We don't have two Facebook accounts. One for the world and one for church. No, we are who we are by the grace of God. No matter where we are. Ladies, we don't post provocative stuff to try to get attention. We are who we are on the inside, and that's way more attractive than anything else. Fellas, you don't have to show your muscles. Only insecure people show their muscles. You're trying to compensate. Hello, somebody. You're trying to compensate. And it's easy for me to say because I got nothing to show. Easy. Maybe if that was a struggle, I wouldn't be preaching that, but I don't know. But look at this, right? Proverbs 18. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. In other words, you will reap the consequence of life or death the way you talk. There's power in your words. Your words, please write that down again. It creates worlds. Isn't that amazing that you can be poor? But have a rich mind. And you can be rich and have a poor mind. It's all about your perspective and what you profess every day. Your words. It blows my mind. God created the universe into existence by speaking it. Can you can this blow my mind? He spoke the stars into existence. The moon into existence. The sun into existence. And then he created us and he said, now you speak things into existence. Your turn. That's like he said, now you create. You create. 
It's amazing that every day I can orchestrate my world by the words that I'm creating around me. That I'm creating an atmosphere of peace in my house by, with my words. You can have a chaotic house or you can have a peaceful home. It all has to do with your confession. You can have a beautiful marriage or you can have a chaotic marriage. It all has to do with how you're speaking. You want to change your spouse? Pray for them. Pray. Just pray that God will soften their hearts. I think my wife is probably amazing at that because every time we argue, I walk away. I'm already repented. Like, I have no choice. It's like, I think she's a Calvinist because she gets... If you don't know what that means, don't worry about it. Um, because I feel like I will lose every single time. Why? Because all of a sudden, I just get that zing. You know that zing from the Holy Spirit? Like, go back, knucklehead. And the most powerful words in any relationships is, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Tenderhearted. I'm sorry. Because I don't know about you. The, ar- the harmony is way more important than my pride. The harmony with my wife is way more important than me being right. That's way more important. That's mature, though. That's mature. You got you to, like, not just, you don't just swallow your pride. You throw it away. So in 2018, as I wrap up church, let's speak faith. Faith is the evidence of things we hope for. And the substance of things we have not seen yet. You speak things that you want to see. You don't speak things as they are. That's, that's just doing the obvious. You speak things as they ought to be. You speak life. You speak possibilities. You speak big things. He said, I want big things. Sometimes I, you know when you know you're praying God's will is when you're praying and you get scared. Because that sounded too big. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? You're like, uh... Like this week, for example, we're praying because we're in negotiations right now with the Shaw's building, right? We, we you know, we, we bought a building in 2017. We bought a building in 2017 and we're all excited about it until the state stepped in and said we can't use the property. And so, and so to make a long story short, we bought a building and we only had it for two months and we had to sell it. But here's how good God is. We sold the building and made a profit of $44,000 in two months. Two months. That's God. Right? And so, and so, and so now we're, we're in conversation with, with the Shaw's building on Cove Road. You know, and what's amazing is the building we bought was 25,000 square foot. This new building that we're looking at is 48,000 square foot. The building we bought had 95 parking spots. This building has 376 parking spots. Okay. So... I need us to push this thing into existence. Like, we, we, we're in deep negotiations right now, right? And God is faithful to make it happen, right? But I love the little things, the little things. We said we always prayed for a garage door to do a food pantry, and God knew that. And this place has two garage doors as well, okay? Like, God is just funny like that. But here's the thing. Here's the kicker this week as we were praying. I'm praying for this thing. All of a sudden, my mouth got crazy and said, pray for the whole plaza. Like, take the whole thing. And I was like, uh, uh, the way my faith set up. When I said that, it was like the charismatic in me began to shake a little bit. That's when you know you're praying, God. Pray big things. Big things.
So when it happens, you know, man, that was God. There's no way we could have done that. I don't know if you know this. I want you to understand you are in the middle of a miracle in New Bedford. A thousand people praising Jesus in a middle school. That is God. Give him some praise in this place. That's God. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. We're not smart enough to do that. Come on, I'm wrapping up. I'm wrapping up. You can, you can stay in seat. I'm going to wrap up right here. Listen, but, but here's the thing about speaking, right? You got to have a foundation. You got to have a foundation, church. If you don't mind, all of you, can you all stand? I mean, you're not that cool, you know. There's always that guy. I'm not standing. I got here by myself. It wasn't God. I created my own breath. I got my own health. I don't need God. Well, good luck. But you're here. We love God. Listen, you need a foundation to have a new vocabulary. And so you got to do some practical things to, to make room for a new vocabulary. And this is where I need you to be practical. Because it's one thing to hear the word. You got to do it. Right? And so here's, here's practically speaking, here's how you create a new vocabulary, right? The first thing you need to do is be filled with God's word. Because Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speak. Whatever you're filling yourself with is going to come out of you. So in other words, you need to change your diet if you're going to be a person of faith. The last two weeks, we changed our diet, right? In, in the first couple of days, you're like, I'm going to die. Right, you're like, I'm going, I'm not just going to seek Jesus here. I'm going to see him. Like, I'm going to go see him. Right, but what happens after a couple of days? Your body adjusts to the new diet. Actually, your body's telling you it's about time. You actually took care of me the right way. Fruits and vegetables is what God created. He didn't create all the other artificial stuff. All the vegans just got excited. But we love you some meat. Anyways, God also said kill and eat. So I, I like both. Um, Anyways, you got to fill yourself with God's word. You got to have an intake. You have to have a diet of God's word. Remember when Jesus was tempted, he said, man does not live on bread alone, but every word, every word. Jesus was quoting the Bible, Deuteronomy 8.3 to be exact, right? Which tells you Jesus took time to know the word. As a human being, he had to learn the word. Read it every day, right? This thing right here is an extension of our lives now. Like there's no way around it. This thing is part of our lives. So how about we use it for good? Right? So the second thing I want to tell you is this. Get a Bible app. Put it on your phone. That every day, the first thing you should do in the morning, the very first thing you should do in the morning, before you brush your teeth, before you go on Facebook, you need to go to the Bible app and say, what is your word for me today? Like, what do you have for me this day? In the Bible app, you have all kinds of choices, what kind of studies you want to do. Every day he gives you a, a, a verse of the day. Just that verse of the day, man, will take your day. But imagine if you look at that verse and you click the thing underneath that says, read the entire chapter. If one is good, man, try the entire chapter and see how God is going to fill you. 
And what's amazing when you begin to do that, you begin to see coincidences. You're like, I just read that. It's exactly what I needed for this, for this situation. And you come to church, you're like, he's talking about the stuff that I read this week. That's amazing. Why? Because coming to church should be a continuation of what God is doing in your life during the week. You know what I'm saying? It's not picking up every Sunday and dropping off. No, it's a continuation. So get the word in you every day. Number three is you got to learn to personalize what you read. In other words, when you read Psalm 8110, it says, It is I, the Lord your God, who rescued out of Egypt. You say, God, you said you rescued me out of Egypt. Which tells me I'm not in Egypt anymore. I'm not who I used to be, but thank God you're working on me to be who you created me to be. I'm not there yet, but I am on my way. And then the rest of the Bible says, Open your mouth wide. Well, that's when I go, okay, God, here I go. I am about to pray some things that only you can do. And I'm going to stand on your word today. I'm going to believe that you're faithful enough to see these things come to pass. See, it's one thing to read a Bible verse, another thing to personalize it. For God so loved the world that he gave his son, that's great. But for God so loved me that he gave his son for me because he loves me, because he cares about me, because he wants to bless me, he wants to change me, he wants to heal me, he wants to transform me. Man, it takes on a whole nother meaning when you make it your own. Some people read the Bible just to be intellectuals. That's not faith. I know a lot of people know a lot of Bible verses but don't have faith. I call them Christian atheists. They talk a good game, but they don't walk a good game. There's some people, you've been coming for a long time, but you haven't served. <laughs> Why not? Your faith's got to have legs. If you want to see the will of God, you've got to personalize it. And the last thing is this. Look, go to my next one. You've got to learn to pray out loud. There's power in your words, the Bible says. Right? Of course, the intellectuals, oh, I don't have to pray out loud. The, God knows my heart and mind. Yeah, he does. But he said, speak things into existence. He says, hear yourself. Get scared a little bit when you hear plaza. So you can double down and say, yeah, he said plaza. I'm going to declare plaza in Jesus' name. Faith comes by hearing. You got to hear yourself speak faith. You got to hear yourself declare some things. When you go to your house. Walk around your house and declare some things. This house will be a house full of faith. This house will have the peace of the Lord. The house, you go to your fridge, lay hand in your fridge. There will be no lack in this fridge, in this house. Speak life. Speak life. Lift your hands to the Lord. I want to thank you for listening today. And I want to encourage you to share this with someone who needs to hear about the love of God. And uh, hope to see you soon.